Welcome to Calvary Temple Podcast. We hope that you enjoy and are challenged by Pastor Kyle's message. If you are blessed by this ministry, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at Pastor Kyle at CalvaryTempleTH.org. If you are ever in the area, we would love to have you visit us at 2100 North 6 half Street, Terre Haute, Indiana, 47804. Our service times are at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Okay, now, now you can hear me. Right? Can you hear me? Good. Well, let's stand up and recite the Apostles' Creed together this morning. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day, He rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now please stay standing. I'm going to ask my prayer support to come forward, whoever that's going to be today. Is it going to be you? Do I need to take a seat or is it going to be short? I see you right there. Oh, Father, we just come to you right now. This is our hearts filled with thanksgiving, Father. I'm so thankful for this mighty man of God that you called for a word for such a time as this. Father, I ask that you continue the outpouring of the anointing you placed on him, Father. We, 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 we speak to that, that, that anointing and call it forth for the, the preaching and the teaching, Father, that he, the fire that you placed in him. We ask for that to rise up and come out and with a spirit of boldness preach your word in truth, Father, that, that we will receive it in good ground, Father, that, that your word shall multiply and the fruit shall be good. For your glory, in your Son's name, Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thanks. Can you drop the mic? No, these things are expensive. You'd have a lot of people wanting to smack you in the back of the head to drop this microphone. Okay, well, let's stand for the reading of the word this morning together. Okay. Hey, I don't do this very often. Guys, I'm up there singing and playing a guitar. This is different. Right? Okay, now we're going to be in the book of Ephesians for our scripture this morning. Now I'm using a different version than what we have on the computer, so we don't have it up on the screen. So we're going to be in chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. 
Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. Putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You may be seated. we got some music in the background. You guys don't mind, do you? I think better when I have music playing. Is that okay? Anybody got a problem with that? It's all good? This is a good old song, right? Benny King. Stand by me. It's a good song. It's a good song. Listen to the words of that. No, I won't be afraid. I won't be afraid as long as you stand by me. It's a good word, isn't it? It is. And in the book of Ephesians where we opened up this morning, we talked about what? The full armor of God? Okay. Talked about the full armor of God. What else did we talk about in that opening Scripture? Yes. We also talked about standing, did we not? About standing. In fact, that five or six verses that we read mentioned standing four or five different times. We're going to look. We're going to try and pay attention to detail. Because the details are important, correct? Details are very important. What we think we know is enough to get us in trouble. Amen? We need to be able to rightly discern the Word, pick it apart, see what God says. We're going to look at three different stories today out of the Bible. Some of these should be very familiar to you guys. One of them may be somewhat familiar. So our first story we're going to look at is one of the stories of Moses in the book of Exodus. So turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 14. We're going to start out at verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 14. Then Moses gave these instructions. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Pi-Harahath between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore across from Baal-Zephon. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused and they've trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I have planned this. God had planned this. Did you hear that? Moses didn't plan this. God said, I have planned this. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. Does that make any sense to anybody why God would want to display his glory through the enemy? Why would God do that? Does that make sense? doesn't make earthly sense, does it? 
But God tells us that He's going to use everything, good and bad, for His glory. So should we be caught off guard about this, that, that God wants to show His glory through Pharaoh's army? We shouldn't be. When word reached the king of Egypt that this Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up the troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he chased after the people of Israel who had left with their fist raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all of the horses and chariots, his charioteers, and all of his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Piharahoth, across from Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. How many times in our life do we look up against what's coming at us and we panic? Because we see things with our eyes, right? We live in the world. And unfortunately, that means that a lot of times we tend to look at things through a worldly set of eyes. So many times things seem so insurpassable by us. Everything's stacked up against us. And we're not looking with the right set of eyes. We're looking with the eyes of this world, the eyes of our flesh, not the eyes of our spirit. And that's what these Israelites were doing. They looked and they saw the reality of the physical instead of relying on the reality of the invisible. Let me read that again. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? That rings out to me because so many times in life when we're just going along with the worldly program, it seems so much easier. And when the Lord drags us out of that, it doesn't always look bright and shiny. And it's hard, isn't it? Is this the easy thing to do, to live for God? No, it's not the easy thing to do. The easy thing to do is to live like everybody else in the world. Didn't we tell you that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. What a foolish statement. But you know what? We say that all the time, don't we? Or is it just me? Am I the only one that says that? It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Fear's not of God. Don't be afraid. Just Stand still. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Just stand still. The Lord Himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. 
The Israelites were seeing with their eyes. They were seeing what the world says was against them. Instead of seeing with their spiritual eyes what God was going to do for them. You know, myself, and I'm sure some other people, they get these ideas in their head that they want to do these great things for God. Man, they march forward, their fists raised, their sword in hand, and they're just worried about what can I do for God? What battle can I fight for Him? We're missing the point. We need to go back to what it said in our opening scriptures in the book of Ephesians. Sure, it talks about the full armor of God. Tells us, you know, about the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the belt of truth. But four or five times throughout that, it tells us to what? To stand, so that we can stand against the enemy, so that we can stand against his attacks doesn't say so that we can go forward and fight. It says that we can stand. God's going to get glory through us, but it's only when we're in here. That's it. If you have this and you know this, you can stand on this. Right? You can stand on this. There's nothing that God needs from you. You can't do anything to help God in His kingdom. God needs nothing. He has everything. But He wants to work through us. He wants you to be part of the story. Stand. Just to stand. We're going to look at another story. This is a story of Gideon. You guys all know the story of Gideon, right? Let's turn to the book of Judges in this. Okay? Chapter 7. We're going to look at Judges chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 1 and go through 22. So Gideon and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If, you let, if I let you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. You guys ever been at the end of your rope and just feel drained? You don't have the strength, the patience, anything to just go on and deal with what's at hand? Good! That's where you should be. Because that's where we reach up to God, right? If we're standing in our own strength, we don't need God to do anything, do we? We think we can do it. You guys get like that at your job, I'm sure. At school, in your education. I know this stuff. I can do this. I don't need any help from anyone. We get that way a lot, even as Christians. And we shouldn't be that way. And a lot of times, God takes things away from us, just like he took 22,000 to start off from Gideon. Got too many. You're going to boast in your own power. You're going to say you saved yourself. That happens to us. We get that pride in us. 
We start saying, I can do this. And we remove God from that equation. God's going to start letting things drop. Just to bring us back to the reality that we can't do anything without Him. Yet He doesn't need us to do anything. Get in the Word. Stand. And then I told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all of those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the second group, put all of those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, With these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. And notice how he said that. He didn't say, With these 300 men, you will save yourself and have victory over the Midianites. He said, with these 300 men, I will save you and give you victory. These battles aren't ours. They're God's. Get your armor. But more importantly, stand. Stand. It's hard to do that because as people, we want to move forward. We want to be active. We want to do something. You've got to remember, God doesn't need us to do. He needs us to obey the Word. No matter how insignificant or strange that Word is to us. We can't understand everything because we don't have God's mind. But if it says it, we need to pay attention to it. And we need to focus on the right spots. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night the Lord said, Get up, go down into the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon took Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy at camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like the grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream, and in my dream a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. His companion answered, your dream can mean only one thing, that God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar and a torch in it. Then he said to them, Keep your eyes on me. 
When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too, and all around the entire camp and shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. It is just after midnight when the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. And suddenly they blew their ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their hands and with their horns in their right hands, and they all shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as the Midianites rushed around in panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight each other with their own swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Beth Shittah and Zaraha and the border of, what is that, Abel Mohala near Tabath. See, when we do what we're told by the Lord, it doesn't matter how many are against us. doesn't matter how big they are, how strong they are, how equipped they are. doesn't matter how small and insufficient we are. When we do what we're told by God, God fights every battle for us. We just show up and do what He tells us to. If He tells you to stand on your head with your left hand in your right pocket and wiggle your right ear while picking your nose, do it. Don't question it. It's going to sound a little odd, I'm sure. But you know what? God's ways aren't our ways. Just do what He tells you. Pastor Linwood, I've got some toothpaste in my office, in my mailbox. Can you bring me some toothpaste? The next story, the last story we're going to look at is out of Second Chronicles. Chapter 20. So turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter 20, please. Don't have my pages marked. Sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. We're going to start chapter 20 and verse 1. Oh, there you go. Well, thanks. This is the story of Jehoshaphat. This isn't as well known of a story as the story of Moses and the story of Gideon, is it? Let's run a look at it here. After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Meonites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat that a vast army from Eden was marching against you and beyond the Dead Sea. They were already at Hazazon Tamor, 
Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. So he saw what was coming. He heard what was coming. So what did he do? He didn't try and make a plan first, did he? He sought the Lord for guidance. It's the first thing we should always do when we face anything. Seek the Lord's guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. There's a novel idea. How many times have we heard that? When we're seeking answers for something, fast for a little bit. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. He prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us and you will hear and rescue us. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt, so we went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us? For they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as our inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you give us an inheritance? Won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord and their little ones, wives and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite, who was a descendant of Asaph. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Every battle belongs to the Lord. Does he call us to suit up in our armor? Does he call us to bring our weapons with us? Yes. Does he call you to fight every time? No. He may call you to fight, but he might not. We need to pay attention to what he calls us to. Tomorrow, March out against them. So that's an action. He told them to march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeriel. 
But you will not even need to fight. I don't know about you. Was anybody in the military? I was. If you're confronted with the impending doom of the enemy coming to you, what are you going to do? You're going to fight. Because to stand there and do nothing is crazy. It's like standing on one foot, you know, with your right hand, left hand in your right pocket, picking your nose because God told you to. That's crazy. You're not just going to stand there. You want to fight. Because that's our flesh telling us that, right? That's our eyes. That's our flesh eyes. They see what's coming. They know what has to be done. And you want to act on that. We need to stand on our spiritual eyes. We don't need to see the reality of what's in front of us in the flesh. We need to see the reality of the unseen that fights for us. And King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the armies of Judah went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord for Faithful love endures forever. Why would you send out a band in front of an army? People did that hundreds of years ago. The Revolutionary Army would send out pipers and drummers in front of the military. They had a little bit different of an idea of why. It was to signal commands from long distance. They didn't have radios. They didn't have communication that way. They had to use those drums to signal what to do next. God didn't need to signal what to do next because God fights the battle. Why would he send out singers in front of the army? Does God not inherit the praises of his people? God's presence... His very presence inhabits our praise. This is why we have praise and worship before the word comes forth. It's important to God. Not because it's important to me. I love what I do. I love the fact that God created me to do that. I can't tell you enough at how happy I am that He's created me for that purpose. But there's a reason that he sends out the singers before the army. Because God wants to inhabit. He wants to dwell. He wants to live within the presence of our praise. 
and go where? Before those of us in the army. I don't want him going behind me unless the enemy's back there too. I want him going before me. I want to follow God. I don't want to ask God to come on where I'm at. Come on, God. I know you're doing this, so come on. God inhabits those praises. At that very moment, they began to sing and give praise. And the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. If we want our problems destroyed in front of us, we want those who stand against us destroyed in front of us. Sing a praise. And do what God tells you to. Stand on His Word. How are we going to do that? In order to stand on that Word, we have to know the Word. The time to learn this isn't in the time of need in battle. The time to learn this is before you need it. I did 12 years in the U.S. Army and the Reserves and the National Guard. And a lot of our training, when I went through, was focused on weaponry. And it wasn't just teaching us how to use those. It was teaching us how to take them apart, to keep them clean, to keep them well-working. And it went farther than that. After we got proficient and we knew all the parts of it, we were blindfolded. What sense would that make? Well, if you're out in the dark and your weapon jams, you have to know how to take it apart to fix it so that you can once again engage the enemy. We need that training by getting in here so that we can do it in the dark. So that when the enemy stands in front of us, we're not thinking, oh man, I better learn how to deal with this. Where's it at? Where's it at? We already know. Because we spent the time to learn to happen. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against the allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, they saw dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment and clothing and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. 
It is still called the Valley of Blessing today. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. They marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps and lyres, not people who don't tell the truth, and the trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. Not only did they not have to fight, all they had to do was what? Obey. To do what they were told. God fought. God claimed victory. And did he not give us the spoils? Did we earn those? No. Can we earn anything with God? but he's going to give it all to you, isn't he? He's going to give you everything. Rick, can you go get me a mint, please, back in my office? <laughs> Let's see what he brings me here. Kinda. Kinda, kinda, kinda. You know, we've been talking about standing and discerning the word rightly. Paying attention to detail. For those of us who did serve, that was a big part of our training. Was to pay attention to detail. We have to be able to know through hearing. We have to be able to discern that so that we can effectively do battle or effectively stand our ground and protect. 1987, I went through U.S. Army basic training at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and I remember they used to wake us up a lot at night, quite a bit. Got very little sleep. It was very stressful. I'm sure all of you who have been in can... Flashback to that memory and know what I'm talking about. And one night, our drill sergeants had us run down to the front in the gravel in front of the barracks. And then they told us, you've got one minute, 60 of us, one minute to get to the fourth floor of our barracks and back down in formation with our toothpaste. So we all ran like you know what falling, climbing over each of us, each other, because we didn't want to be the last one back down there, especially if you didn't make it in 60 seconds. They already beat us up enough. You don't want to have that happen. So we all run up, grab our toothpaste, come back down and get in formation. And we made it in time. God knows how. We made it in time. And we got beat in the ground with all kinds of calisthenics, drill sergeants on our backs, everything. And we couldn't figure out why. We made it in time. We all brought our toothpaste. Every one of us. 
There wasn't one person that didn't. Well, after about 20 minutes of getting beat up, they told us to take our toothpaste back upstairs, get back down in formation. 60 seconds, go. Go up, come back down, get back in formation. We're already just covered in sweat, just exhausted mentally, physically, not knowing where he's going with this. So he says, you're tired. I'm going to give you a minute and a half. Get up there. Get your toothpaste. Bring it back down in formation. <sighs> We've already been down this road. We're going to get killed again. So we all run up, grab our toothpaste, come back down, get in formation. One guy. One guy. He was the problem child in the, the whole platoon. But one guy, the guy that everybody didn't want to listen to because he always got in trouble, he decided he's going to bring his toothpaste. Yeah, on his finger. Just like that. He was going to bring his toothpaste. Well, we all thought, well, you're a moron. We're not doing that. We're all going to get beat up anyway, but you're going to beat up twice because you're just that dumb. Well, guess what? We get back down in formation with our toothpaste, and he gets in formation with his toothpaste. We got beat. He did not. He got to stand there and relax. Why? Well, he paid attention to detail. He listened. He discerned the word that was given to him. Can you brush your teeth with this? I can pick a sesame seed out with the coral, maybe. This is not going to clean my teeth. Well, this? Why? What is it? It's toothpaste. What's this? It's a tube that contains the toothpaste. I asked Pastor Rick to bring me a mint. Apparently he thinks my breast stinks because he brought a whole thing of mint. Is this a mint? No. Is it going to clean your breath? It's only going to work if you do what? And use it properly the way you're supposed to. You have to pay attention to detail. I asked for a mint. Those are mints. This is a container holding those mints. You guys see where I'm going with this? <laughs> we got to be able to discern what the word is. We have to pay attention. And we go right back to the very first verse that we open with out of the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. It does talk a lot about the armor of God. It does. So many times, that's where we stop. Well, I've got the, I've got the belt of truth and the shoes of peace and the of salvation and the shield. Okay, but we miss the point. Those are all things of the word. What does it end saying? It kept saying, "Stand." 
Put these things on so that you can stand against the enemy and his arrows, his spears, the attacks of the enemy. Did that enemy tell you, put this on so that you can go forward in battle and fight the enemy? No. Did God already fight the enemy? Did he finish it? Then why in the hell do we think that we have to fight something God's already done and won? I don't get it. Discern the word. We put these things on so that we can stand up against the enemy and not be harmed. God's already won the victory. He's already done the work. Every bit of it. Now we played a song, Stand By Me by Benny King. That was a good old song. There was another song that I was going to play today and it's an old Tom Petty song. Anybody like Tom Petty? All of us older people like, Yes. You know, there's a song that he sings, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up the gates of hell and I'll stand my ground. No, I won't back down. How can Benny King and Tom Petty get this and we don't? So we need to get back into here. Right? need to know this. need to know it. The three things that these stories all had in common, they were overwhelming odds by earthly standards. But they stood on God's Word, not on what they saw. The second thing that they had in common is they all lifted praise to the Lord. There's a reason that we praise. Because God lives there. God moves there. The third thing that they had in common is they realized that God did not need their help to show His glory. But He chose to show it through us by our obedience to His Word. That's what those stories have in common. So let's close our eyes. How many of us struggle trying to fight a battle instead of putting on God's armor and standing to let God fight? How many of us need to focus on the attention to detail in God's Word. And how many of us need to realize that the battle is not ours to fight, but it belongs to the Lord? That's truly what we need to remember. He calls us to show up. He doesn't always call us to fight. But whatever He calls us to, We need to hear 
and discern properly and move forward or stand. It's God's choice. We just have to obey. Now, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. Lord, as we go forward today, help us, Lord. Help us to properly hear Your Word. Help us to stand on Your Word no matter how unsurmountable those odds in front of us may look to the eyes of our flesh. Let us see the victory through the eyes of our spirit. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen.